sometimes. There's some contracts that are just, I mean, a lot of contracts I've seen are like impossible to execute. If you do your very best, you get like an A minus, you know? <laughs> right. I right. haven't, I've seen very little A plus jobs. If there's anybody <laughs> out there with them, please message me. I'd love to see them, but. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast sponsored by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Travis Althaus, MEP implementation manager at Revisto. He's a tech savvy construction professional with a proactive, tenacious, creative approach to problem solving. Welcome to the show, Travis. Thanks, Todd. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so would love to start by uh, the, the story of how you got into the construction industry. Um, so long story short, um, my family has a history and I have two brothers that are about 10 years older than me. Um, <clears throat> they've always kind of pushed towards construction. My dad's been a, a HVAC technician, like pretty much his whole life. So, um, kind of just jumped in behind them. I went to school for engineering, realized I didn't necessarily like math. <laughs> which is a big deal with engineering. You know? Rule out some engineering. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm good at math. I enjoy it. But like doing like the the limits of like imaginary numbers and stuff. Some of you engineers might know what that means, but that that's what threw me. I just yeah. dropped it and went with construction management. Nice. So then the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, what, what do you think have been some of the, the biggest changes in the industry over the, the past, you know, year two processing technology wise um well this year for sure what i have seen is a major change in mentality um uh-huh. obviously uh all this stuff kind of happened real quick and this whole we've all been working for a while on this digital kind of transformation the doing uh digital twins and being able to work remotely you know mm-hmm. i've had several positions where i could i could work remotely but nobody ever did well, now all of a sudden we had to, it was just like, all of a sudden we, we absolutely have to, and we got to keep productivity up. Um, so that's the big thing I've seen is a lot of those higher up managers and stuff really embracing uh, that, that remote workflow and really allowing people to do what they do and relying on them to do what they do, you know, mm-hmm. relying on the tradesmen to give the proper input for a job that's going to be prefab, that type of stuff. So, yeah. Do you think it's that mentality is here to stay or is it going to kind of shift back when, whenever we open fully back up and things, whatever the new normal is, or are we already in the new normal? We've already made the, the jump over. Right. Well, the, the tech savvy tenacious part of me says not if I can help it, Nice. <laughs> you know, and that's one of the reasons why I, I really enjoy what I do. I enjoy the team I work with is because we're, we've obviously been one to fill that void, you know, at Revista, we've been able to really kind of allow them to keep doing what they do. Mm-hmm. And then they just use us to communicate and then they just have to adapt a little bit instead of completely reinventing the wheel. We're just kind of resetting and repolishing what we do, you know, and just embracing those guys on the iPads. Yeah. I like seeing guys out on site on iPads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's always a, an exciting sight to behold. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like a little kid just like, yes, I like you. <laughs> nice. Uh, do you think all this disruption that has been going on in the digital transformation, uh, 
has that given more of a voice to MEP? Oh, without question. I think it's it's driven the the it's shown everybody the need to have MEPs involved more, you know, instead of yeah. before it's kind of just the engineer gives the design to like the GC and then the MEPs just get like the leftover trash a little bit and it's like here you got a couple months to build this you know good luck right <laughs> and now it's kind of because all of that's disjointed we have to be more effective on construction sites we have to be more mm. efficient with our time with our material flow we got to stay out of each other's way six feet you know so it's been really interesting to see um that they're relying on the tradesmen and everything to say how do you want this built i'm designing it and i don't know what i'm doing you know what you're doing and you're going to be installing it. So you teach me, you know, and that's, yeah. that's the big shift I've seen is that now it seems like trades in the field understand that a lot more and understand the constraints of BIM and the BIM people are a lot more open because they can't just walk around the office and ask people questions. Now they have to actually go directly to those trades. And I think it's really, um, it's really enabled people like myself, you know, a few years ago, that was me. I'm like, I came from an engineering firm. I thought I knew everything. And then we started, I got into prefab and I'm like, man, I don't know anything. I don't know what any of this is. Luckily I could go down to the shop and ask somebody, you know, or something like that, but it took a while to get out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and I think this has really pushed people like myself to get out of our comfort zone or fail. You got to go ask them where you're going to fail. That's pretty much as simple as it gets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I think one of the interesting kind of, twist on that is that it seems that the, the MEP guys have been the ones uh you know as you said they've been getting the kind of the, the leftovers yet they're the ones that have been more on the innovative mindset and growth mindset yeah. to figure out the, the new and how uh, cool way to do it and how do we really embrace technology so it seems like they're kind of in the driver's seat now <laughs> like welcome to the well, club everybody <laughs> right what I think is funny about that is that it's it's pretty clear that like MEPs in general have had a good grasp on it, you know? Mm -hmm. They've had a really good grasp on everything. They've put the most time in their databases and making their parts right, making everything work with their Tiger Stop machines and all this stuff, you know? And it's just always been, they've used it for that and not necessarily for BIM stuff or like not external coordination with other trades. It's always just kind of been in-house making sure these parts are right and our spools come out right. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, Again, it's it's getting very clear that hey, if we work with these other people, we can do multi-trade racks and then charge them per hanger or you know, say, hey, electrical guy, you can hang off my this whole hallway of hangers, you know, and yeah, just give us 10 grand or something, whatever the dollar amount is, you know. I think that collaborative mindset is really starting to take off here in the last couple of years. Yeah, interesting. Well, let's uh let's talk a little bit more contact. There, there's so many options now that it's so easy to get totally lost and just overwhelmed. Yeah. How do you avoid that? And therefore just, you know, just kind of stay in the status quo. <laughs> um, well, the big thing that I always start with is discovery. I mean, like no matter what, if it's, if it's me trying to help somebody else implement something, obviously if I'm trying to implement Revisto, which is kind of a, a in-between kind of platform that everything plays nice with i have to know who's using it and why i could mm -hmm. go show you how i use some tool but you might be like that's worthless to me like 
a big thing I find all the time is, you know, I go down this rabbit hole of prefabrication and talking about that. 20 minutes later, it's like, well, what's prefabrication? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think it's really important to know who's using what and why, you know, and what their capabilities are. So mm -hmm. uh, the biggest thing I always recommend is as much discovery as possible. Um, and not only like doing the discovery up front, but do the discovery, do a soft implementation with maybe one project or like a capable foreman and BIM guy or something, you know, and then do another discovery, go back and ask them, what did you like? What did you hate? And, and then implement again and mm -hmm. fix what you did wrong before. And at that point, maybe bring another project team in, you know, maybe get a little more advanced with your workflows, maybe test some stuff out, but it's just this constant process of discovery, implementation, discovery, implementation. Mm -hmm. um, that's a big part of what I do. Um, I'd like to have schedule. I schedule my own like touch points with clients and stuff. I always want to make sure I'm on top of how they make money. And then I want to show them how they can make more money. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. for sure, I'd say that's the big key. Interesting. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a bunch of tools out there, uh -huh. you know, whether it's what you guys are doing with Revisto of bringing the data and the drawings together, uh, you know, get, providing that more kind of instant communication or, you know, whether like our Evolve MVP team, bringing the right. designer, act, how, helping them actually design and coordinate at the, the same time. How do people find out about these options and then assess yeah. kind of what works best for them? Well, um, in my experience, so I, I worked under John Marsh previously. Uh -huh. In my experience, I just trusted that man with my life, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he would be the one, I mean, I know I, as I've gotten out there and seen more, it was that he was going to MCAA and MEP force is amazing. I take so much from MEP force, but um, those, those trade shows, you know, it's not about going booth to booth and just getting cards and like going and checking it out on your own, go have dinner with those people, chat with mm -hmm. them, figure out like what their plan is, what their passion is, that type of stuff. Um, and that's where you start. And then again, the best way to figure out, you know, how you're going to apply it or what you're going to apply is to go back and figure out what your problems are. Now you know that you have all these things like Evolve. I love Evolve. That's a, it's a major problem that like I would be laying out. I, I literally would lay out an entire job and I would spool the whole thing and I would send it out to the job site. I've never welded in my life. I've never, I didn't know really what a spool was. I didn't know what street elbows were and I'm laying out millions of dollars of pipe. Yeah. Whereas Evolve kind of, I love the name of the podcast, by the way, it bridges that gap. It makes it to where, those people can give the exact input that's needed when it's needed. Not like, Oh, I'm out here on site and this thing's hanging above me and I don't know how to attach it. And, you know, no, it's right. three months before that they get in there, they get it how they want it. <laughs> Doorbell, <laughs> but they get it how, exactly how they want it, you know, um, before it ever gets delivered. I think that's a big key also to when you go get those technologies um, something that Jonathan also taught me is there's uh, like a dynamic champion. And then there's like a more like a dynamic champion, somebody that just wants to do all this crazy inventive stuff. They want to apply stuff creatively, but then there's like a, a static champion or like a, a ground basically to keep that guy realistic, like keep them inside the constraints of time and money, you know? 
Um, so I'd, I'd say the big thing is if you ever, if you're a BIM manager and you go out and you find something cool at MEP Force, don't come back and just throw it at one of those guys. Pick a team, like pick, pick a guy that you know is a more realistic guy that watches hours, that knows ROI, and then pick that crazy mad scientist guy and team them up and challenge yeah. them, you know? That's the best way you're going to get something realistic that's probably going to save you time and make you money. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. I love that approach of having that balance there between the, yeah. the dynamic and static. How, realistically, how does that relationship, how, how do you set it up for success and them not just kill each other by approaching right. it from drastically different points of views? That's a good question. Um, Cause that's, Jonathan was experimenting with us and, <laughs> and that did happen on, on occasion, you know, and basically yeah. the, the key is you like have a third party. If you as the BIM manager bringing the technology back, mm-hmm. just keep it, keep touch on it. Don't overwhelm people. Don't like stand over their shoulder and try to guide them. Let them be free. Let them do what they're doing, but at least like chime in maybe every other week or something, just try to keep a pulse on how it's going. Um, and also definitely set up for metrics. Um, metrics are a big deal. You're gonna wanna set up like, okay, after a month, I expect a document saying how many hours you saved doing a certain task or something like that. You know, Definitely set up metrics for yourself. Don't just let them go and destroy a project. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. That's never good. <laughs> and that's another key too. Don't, if you can, don't do a like multi-million or billion dollar job, you know, that once you implement, you're stuck with it for five years, do something small, bite off little chunks mm-hmm. and just attack it bit by bit and slowly involve more people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all for that kind of snowball effect. Yeah, exactly. And that's what would happen is it's like, we'd finally get it right. We might be bickering a, a bit, but it's just two of us, you know, and we figure it out and then poof. Now they're now all the foremen are like, we're making bank. We're crushing it on time. And then everybody wants to hear like, how, why you, you started two years ago. How the heck are you the most profitable yeah. foreman or, or BIM coordinator, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that starts that snowball and that's nice. always fun. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, what are some of your kind of go-to success metrics? Success metrics. Um, I always go to the end user. Um, I always fall back after your discovery, you've got your problem and, and who that problem pertains to. And then you're mm-hmm. kind of prioritizing what you tackle by that, you know, what's the biggest thing costing us money by not having, and then you go for that. If it's that your designers don't know how to spool and they need something like evolve to, to help them through that, then we're going to go after that first. You know, if we have bad communication, maybe you're going to go something like we have, you know, yeah. um, but as far as metrics, I always go back to the end user. So that process of discovery, implementation, discovery, implementation, I always go back in that discovery and just say, hey, is it better? 
tell me point blank. It's just me and you, you know, is it better? If it's not, why? What do you think? And a lot of times it's funny. Well, what I would run into is the, that would be their chance to vent. You know, the field would vent to me and oh, I want to use this, but I, I can't because of this and that. And it's like you quickly realize, oh, you just need a little more training. Or we need this little add in or I just need to tweak the database. It's usually some little thing. And then you can re-implement. And again, after you re-implement, come back a week later and ask the end user. Um, that's usually the best metric at the start. Um, and that said, you don't want somebody, you don't want like a clock puncher to be this, this person, this champion, you know, you want somebody passionate about it. If it's a clock puncher, it's just going to be like, yeah, it's great. Or no, it doesn't work. You know, you want right. somebody passionate that's out there documenting it that wants to truly make this thing work. They're going to give you an honest feedback. If it doesn't work, they're going to say, yeah, it's ruined my life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've been told that before with a smashed <laughs> iPad. They gave me a smashed <laughs> iPad and said, this ruined my life. Take it back. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my kids have actually just crashed my, <laughs> my office now too. <laughs> nice. The paper's still up there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> they very stealthily snuck around the corner. <laughs> they were just hiding behind me. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't believe the I mean, maybe you do. You're you're digital enough. You've probably seen some hilarious background stuff, but oh man. I've seen some people where they're like dead serious meetings, got like suit tops on and stuff. And there's just yeah. like a trail of little kids, like sneaking around the background. Like, <laughs> don't let dad see us. <laughs> You're on <Yeah>. camera. <laughs> yeah. It happens. <laughs> I think funny. this is the, the first time that they've snuck into an actual podcast recording. <laughs> you, uh, you win the prize, Travis. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. <laughs> it was so interesting they had to hear it that's right <laughs> um all right well, cool. well let's uh let's dive back in <laughs> uh, so travis what are some uh some ruts and, and pitfalls that people need to to be on the lookout for when they're trying to implement contact <laughs> um naysayers for lack of better term, um, I actually just had lunch with, with my TBA buddies um, from my, my engineering job a couple of years ago. And uh, that was our favorite term was naysayers. No yeah. matter what you bring to the table, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not doing that. I've done, I've done it this way for years. Pencil drawings yeah. are way faster. I've been told that. I had a boss tell me once that he could do pencil drawings way faster than I could work in Revit. And I'm just like... Do you want me to take your job? <laughs> you know, like, do you want to challenge that? Right. Because that's a pretty loud you accusation, you know. Let's do but it right now. That's the uh, right. <laughs> oh no, he's probably happily retired at this point. But <laughs> uh that was another thing John taught me was the word he would use for it was a poison pill. Mm -hmm. Um, and the biggest thing I saw was those people that just they just want to derail everything. And uh a funny story I always tell. <laughs> about um, a situation where that exact thing happened with me. Um, so I was a big believer in, in communication, like when I was doing coordination, that's why I'm at Revisto. That's why I used Revisto in the real world. You know, I, I yeah. used it for years before I worked here. 
Um, and I was training, I got my whole field to buy in and I was training everybody and slowly, like it was like 10 people one week, then 20 people. And then suddenly we had like a 50 person training and that snowball was happening. Mm -hmm. And all these people that swore off uh, technology, the naysayers were finally interested. And one of the head naysayers for lack of better term, <laughs> uh, came in and was just like, oh man, look at that pipe. You messed that weld up on that pipe. You expect me to listen to you about this technology, but you can't get that right. And I'm like, yes, yes. I've welded zero times in my life. I see the welders downstairs, but I don't know how to use it. You know, I don't know yeah. the ins and outs like, but I could teach you how to use this little stylus here and circle that pipe and say, Hey, Travis, put this weld here instead, you know, yeah. and I could teach you that in about 20 seconds, you know, at, on your iPad. Um, but it was a really loud point from him because he said it in front of all these foremen trying to impress them and right. kind of talk down on the tech guy. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it was just like, Hey, everybody, we're going to have a, a live example today, you know, here, take this iPad, <laughs> circle that, circle that problem and tell me how to fix it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I thought that was interesting. I took one of those poison pills and one of those negative things and just live on the spot made an example out of it and was like, Hey, this is why communication is a problem here, you know? Right. So I, I, that's a really important part too, with those dynamic champions. Usually they're the ones that are going to be able to immediately just shut that down and put a real world condition to it, you know? Yeah. So, well, that's so important to be able to spin it around too and, and to right? show exactly what you did. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, again, going back to that mindset, a lot of these, a lot of coordinators like myself coming up, a lot of people are really shy, you know, somebody could say that and it's just like, Oh, well now I'm just like, I'll start muttering, you know, maybe I'm mumbling and I like, yeah. I get nervous. Like that was me until that day, that day was like me coming out, like just figuring out, okay, I have some power now. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I have well, technology superpowers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Not to go all uh, psycho analyzing on that guy, but <laughs> he's probably, you know, trying to hide behind so much insecurity that he doesn't want, he's yeah. scared of the, the technology is going to look stupid. And so it's That's way easier to just trash it than to yeah. have to show that he's, not good at it yeah right and it's like the same as the the old boss that i had that said he could draw by hand faster he had to know that's ridiculous yeah you know he had to know that but i think he was just trying to like it's a lot of people putting people in their place you know that's what's happening right. in the industry like oh you're college educated and you know how to use the software and you think you're going to be able to do what i did for 30 years no, but I think if you spend two years teaching me, like the future is very bright, you know? Right. Yeah. And I'm well, not drawn by pencil. <laughs> <laughs> Those days are gone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Evolve MEP. MEP construction software for Revit. Evolve's MEP software for Revit makes project collaboration fast, simple, and more productive which in turn significantly reduces project risk and cost. Born from the reality of a lack of available skilled labor in the industry, Evolve MEP has transformed the MEP detailer workflow. It's time for MEP to harness the Revit platform to offer seamless collaboration like no other software before. Visit evolvemep.com and let them know we sent you.
have you heard of the uh, reverse mentoring concept no, where uh, you bring in a, a younger person that's more up on technology and then you pair them with somebody who's seasoned and has, has that real world experience with it. And so yeah. the younger person teaches the technology, but the older person then teaches the real world aspect of it. When it's done well, huh. it seems to be a really cool way to, no pun intended here, uh, bridge the gap and get the best <laughs> of, of both worlds. To Yeah. Because both sides need something that the other side has. And both sides right. kind of have a chip on their shoulder about the other side. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah, I think that kind of was naturally done to me in, in my yeah. role because it was just kind of like, here's this technology, here's the BIM requirements, it's an LOD 500 model, Good, it's got to be within two inches of where it's installed, you know, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was where I was just like, oh my God, what do I do? I don't, they're yelling at me for these like, for street elbows, what the heck is a street elbow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had to learn that lingo and everything, yeah. And that's where it really helps to be in the same kind of communication bubble because now like I became friends, you're, you're talking about bridging that gap and, and really like connecting with those people. I became friends with those people. Yeah. I think that reverse mentoring was pulled on me. Someone pulled a fast one on me and made me a reverse <laughs> you know what mentor. <laughs> yeah. I'm not angry about it at all. I'm actually really happy <laughs> about it, but that's interesting. Cause like, like I said, then I became able to like talk to those people. We, we humanized each other. I, yeah. I want to like encourage people, like, don't be the guy that's afraid to speak up. Everybody's got the same problems. Everybody, you know, yeah. some people just are loud about it. Some people just enjoy that they have a job and they clock in, you know, right. They don't want to make ruffles or ruffle feathers. Right. I definitely like, as far as ruffling feathers, I just like hit the bird out of the air with a baseball bat. <laughs> Somebody's got to be that person. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. Then you just got to rope me back in. Nice. So, <laughs> Anything that we didn't touch on that you want to make sure we, we cover? As far as implementing and being consistent with your implementation, set up job templates. Like always set up internal templates. If nothing else, just have a document that says, this is what we did on this job. This is what we did on that job. And then know your teams and know, going back to the dynamic and static thing, know which people you could pair up and what kind of standard you have to push on that job. You know, yeah. maybe you don't want to use Dato. I'm going to go back to Dato because I love it, but Dato is like one that maybe, maybe there's not a need for it on a certain job. So maybe if you got a Dato champion, use him somewhere else to push it on another job and keep your, Revisto and Evolve guys, you know, on another job. Mm -hmm. And then use that, implement that into your cross training. Whenever you're, whenever you want somebody to learn one or the other, then put them on a project team together. Right. Yeah. That cross training That's the is whole key. huge. Yeah. A lot of people try to just wing it like, oh, these, these people work great together. You know, some people just can't work together. You gotta, you have to know that anyway, up front, right. hopefully. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that everybody cares. I know certain companies do, you know, the teams you can pair up, you know, so just right. go one step further and not, not just know their personality, but know their skill set. know their, right. I mean, even one further, know what they're willing to do. If you got a foreman, like, uh, I've, there's a guy at, at Binsky, Dave, Dave Wilson. He's, uh, 
he's a character he's embraced technology to its fullest and he is loud about it you know so he's the guy that i run to him with like hey check this cool thing out he geeks out he tells his team gets them geeking out that's that's what you got to do you got to put people kind of in their place where they feel comfortable and then push push a little bit and that's another important point i wanted to bring up about implementation is that cross training like once you have that once you have a connection between a, a field guy and a bim guy you know switch it up either like maybe not like maybe keep the foreman and the bim guy together but then maybe like put a, a new detailer on it or, or a couple new apprentices, you know, know the abilities of your teams, know where they've been, what they've done and know their abilities and then play on that, you know, just go yeah. after whatever, if, like you said, if, if it's a foreman that has now embraced technology and they're good at it, maybe put a, a BIM guy that is new that that guy can now teach the BIM guy some new stuff. Whereas the BIM guy is going to be all right on technology and the foreman's going to help him now. You know, mm-hmm. so now it's not a crutch. It's actually like a, a super foreman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For like, for like a better term. Yeah. I like super foreman. I like it. <laughs> I'm sure they'd like it too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so that brings up another kind of interesting little rabbit trail of the, the culture and the soft skill aspect of construction mm-hmm. that it, I think those, those skills traditionally aren't, you don't think of them in the construction right. space of, not at all you know taking somebody else's feelings into account or you know how do you have those open dialogues and those conversations do you see that changing some as technology is coming more readily available in construction i see i, I don't necessarily see it changing and like my first day out of college so i out of college mm-hmm. i actually started on a on a field crew out on site mm-hmm. and some guy had me grab him a shovel and I got the wrong shovel and this dude seriously threw the shovel at me, like full blown two hands threw a shovel at me, Wow! Um, which was brutal. <laughs> but what did he miss or I'm did he seeing, hit you? Oh, he hit me. He <laughs> took my legs out. Like, yeah, I went down to a knee. Yeah. And he was yeah, just like, bring the right shovel next time. <laughs> it's ruthless. But uh, what I was going to say about that is I, I think what's happening is, is people that are coming up through um the same way i did are able to like gauge that better and they're able to maybe not gauge it better but like react to it better or or take it differently Mm. um whereas before i was just like i want want to quit my job you know i'm out of here (laughs) right whereas i think people are getting a lot more able to embrace that and then what that does is those people that throw the shovel kind of get loudly put put on blast like nobody wants to work with that guy you know he threw a right. shovel at someone yeah whereas before it was like yeah man you hit that tech guy with a shovel good job yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't see that anymore it's probably yeah. still out there but again i think uh i think um making making it known i think the contract culture and this is i wrote an article about contract culture i think it's mm-hmm. driven bim far enough that the foremen understand like they have people on their same team, you know, that are dealing with these constraints, dealing with crazy deadlines and everything else. So it, it also lets them be a little more empathetic yeah. without being made fun of for caring about someone's feelings, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I, not all of the, the naysayers are, are going to be as maybe, you know, 
as loud and boisterous in your face about it. How yeah. do you suss out those uh, those quiet kind of lurkers in the back that are uh, quietly touching it? I would sick the dynamic guys on those guys because uh-huh. that's what I that's what happened to me was like there were still these problems happening. Yeah, but it wasn't getting communicated to me. Well, me being the like, again, I'm going to go back to that tenacious word, (laughs) the tenacious person that I am and like how I solve problems. I obsessed over what the problem was and I would find what the problem was. And it was that this guy didn't tell me what that guy told him to tell me, you know? So basically because of that, I need the guy that was supposed to tell me something to tell me, don't tell Mm -hmm. the PM to tell me, you tell me. You know, and I just had to, you have to open that, you have to open that door because that's a lot of what I saw was the, the PMs would really keep the field and BIM divided. That's not how it should be. The PMs should definitely embrace that connection, get the field and BIM tied together at the beginning, way before anything's ever built. You know, Mm -hmm. the foreman should be in the shop looking at drawings anyway, get them in there looking at the model get them chat and just get them humanized. Let them know that, Hey, the BIM guy working on this is working his butt off. He's just new, you know, he just, he needs some help. Mm-hmm. Like going back to what you said about technology and how everybody needs each other. I live by the motto that I, I could teach anybody. I could teach my grandma right now how to use pretty much any technology. I'm going to go down there a little bit later and say, Hey, here's data. Why don't you find a submittal for something you know, <laughs> just to test my, my challenge. But yeah, um, I believe back. I could teach, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I believe I could teach anybody, any technology ever. And I myself am a little bit better than like my dad or my grandma, you know, at learning the technology. That's all that I have up on them. I'm just, I can quickly vet it out, learn it. And then I could teach anybody quickly. You can't do that with welding. Right. I go down to a weld shop. You could spend two years with me and I'm going to mess everything up. I'm going to be welding stuff to the walls and everything. <laughs> electrocute myself, burn my finger off. Who knows what? <laughs> yeah, I'd be right there with you. So, you wouldn't want anything that I welded. <laughs> right? Look at this blob that I made. <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> right? <laughs> so I think it's really important. Like I, That's what I've learned and that's what I strive by is I it's important for us tech guys to have the patience with them. Like they definitely have more of what we need than, than we have of what they need, you know? So be right. patient with them, go in there. Don't just say, Hey, you got to use this tool. You got to use Dato Cause that's what we have. No, go in there and be like, Hey, I noticed you're spending hours looking for submittals, you know, it looks frustrating. Check this new tool out. What do you think about this? Should we look into it? You know, like, would you be interested and then keep them people involved? Cause that's, what's going to really help that snowball start. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us more about Revisto. Uh, so Revisto is a uh, integrated collaboration platform that allows everybody to kind of communicate in one place. So um, as you can see with what I'm saying here today, it's natural that I found my place somewhere like this. Um, yeah. I used Revisto for three years and that was where I really found how little I knew about construction. And I was actually using it to answer to a GC. So we were doing coordination and he wanted me to resolve these clashes. And like a specific moment I remember was something about duct mate, um, which is like, it brings duct together and it's like this big thick steel kind of beam in between, but they can just 
like put these things in and then the ducts are combined together, you know? And the GC was like, Hey, this is hitting every pipe in the hallway. Can you like smash that with a hammer or something? Is it like flexible? And I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. It wasn't, it wasn't. <laughs> we definitely had to reroute that duck like on the fly in the field. And then I had to redraw it after the field fixed it. Um, yeah. But that was like a wake up call for me. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm doing all the coordination. I'm answering the GC and everything in this platform, but my foreman's not in the platform. Yeah. You know, that like with Revisto, what could happen and what did end up happening was basically, hey, this duck mate's hitting all the pipe on this in this corridor. Can it be smashed down? He assigns it to me and then I could just assign it to the foreman and be like, what do you think? You know, uh-huh. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say yes, but what do you think? And then that's when the foreman's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you <laughs> <Don't> know, <smash. laughs> thank, yeah. Thank you for getting a hold of me, but what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So, nice. um, that's again, naturally, that's why I'm, I'm at Revisto is because I really have that passion for bringing those people together, letting people understand where everybody's coming from and, and what the constraints of, I mean, the BIM world is intense. Sometimes there's some contracts that are just, I mean, a lot of contracts I've seen are like impossible to execute. If you do your very best, you get like an A minus, you know? <laughs> right. right. I haven't, I've seen very little A plus jobs. If there's anybody <laughs> out there with them, please message me. I'd love to see them. But um, I yeah, think the that's an interesting. Stacked against it. Yeah. And that it, what's interesting about it is I've actually been in the situation going from engineering to contracting to now software. I was actually in, an in, in a situation where I engineered a building. Um, I thought it was great. I patted myself on the back. I felt great about it. Well, three years later, when I went to work for the contractor, this guy was like really mad about a drawing that he had on this building. And as soon as he said the building, I was like, oh no, that's my drawing. I know that's <laughs> my drawing. I know I did a building here in Erie when I was an engineer. And so I had him bring the drawing up and sure enough, my initials were on the, on the drawing. <laughs> like, who's this guy? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. So, but to me, again, that was another wake up call that like, man, I worked on that for like a year at an engineering firm, like felt great about myself, but couldn't have been, it was worthless to the field to install, you know? Yeah. So I think going back to, to that discovery and implementation thing, it's again, it's really important to know who's using what for what because like that drawing was great for us at the engineering firm you know but as far as the contracting side and building it it was worthless so right. that can really be tied to technology like a fabrication workflow in revisto is not going to do anything for an engineering person maybe it'll open their eyes to how their 3d data is being used by contractors but um mm-hmm. as far as it's concerned it's just costing the engineer money you know so right. I apply different software, totally different in different companies even. Right. Well, I think that communication aspect is huge too, to yep. see it from the other person's point of view. Not that you have to, it changes how, what you are doing from your perspective, but it's, it's good to have that other side of the equation. Yeah. And that's a big challenge that I always challenge people is just be open-minded, just open your door to hear what these people have to say. You know, if somebody's messing up and they're not answering your calls and stuff, they're probably stressed out. They're probably trying to hit their deadlines. And they're like, that's what was happening to me. You know, I'm trying to hit my deadlines for the GC, but we made money installing pipe. So you could imagine my foreman's like, why are you saying this can be smashed with a hammer? 
Yeah. It's just costing us money. And I'm like, well, I, I wasn't getting yelled at by the GC anymore by saying that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think always being open-minded to those problems people face is really the, the ultimate way to, to keep this mindset moving forward, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, how do people get a hold of you and, and find out more about Revista? Um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, I could share my email and stuff also here. Um, but the best way is LinkedIn. We're, we're releasing Revisto 5 now, which is, um, to put it lightly, I guess, uh, a game changer, in my opinion. Nice. Um, you're going to be able to like search directly in the model. So I've been really working on, um, and I, I'm, I'm a sick person. I, I work like on the stuff like 4 a.m. on Saturdays and stuff. I just get <laughs> lost. Um, but I've been dreaming up ways that, you know, like we can have foreman ordering materials directly from the model just in time because that was the biggest thing that I would run into. We'd want to order materials a year ahead of time and then we go through coordination and then it's like, oh crap, the, the pump sizes were changed. We got to throw all this away, you know? Yeah. If you do that just in time delivery, um, which again, it goes big into communication. I didn't care about any of that on the BIM side. I do now, but I didn't when I was doing it. Like the field can get their stuff whenever they want. Right. But in reality, what was happening was I was printing drawings and they were like, oh, this is ready to go. They'd order it, go fabricate it, and then uh, we would change it all. <laughs> and that's all bad, yeah. you know. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's a, also a very interesting factor there to, yeah. to keep in mind. <laughs> interesting. Well, my last question is, what does innovation mean to you? innovation hmm i would say the first thing that came to my my gut right there was just pushing the envelope yeah. um instead of being a stagnant naysayer you know go out there and if you got a problem go figure it out you know go figure out how to fix it be the hero you know um now again i'm going to go back to to jonathan marsh on this one you got to keep people roped in like i wanted to be the hero letting somebody just 15 20 hours a, a day bury themselves into doing something is not healthy it's right. not uh <laughs> it's not effective either so definitely <laughs> do it in a like a controlled environment mm -hmm. but definitely pushing the envelope looking at hey i'm i'm tired of these flanges not lining up Let's try a new scanner. Let's try, maybe we need a new software to run the, the points, you know? The main thing we always came back to is we needed that, um, we needed help with spooling. I mean, sometimes you spool 10,000 things. So again, Evolve wasn't around when we were spooling. Um, Evolve's what, four or five years old now? Three or four, yeah three or four still a little baby <laughs> but if i had it i i've used it enough that like hangers you know making spool drawings having to make changes on spool drawings yeah that we had a person for that we paid somebody all year to like move tags on spool drawings and lay out hangers right whereas evolve just does it it gets i mean it's not perfect but you're 95 percent there and right. then you can spit your sheets out so um just stuff like that. Look at the problem. You probably have the tools there. If you have Revit, I'm telling you, you probably have the tools there. Revit is way more than what people think it is. It can do so much. It's just people get taught a certain way 
I'm with Revisto. I see it all the time that Revisto is like a, a GC tool, you know, Revisto is just for um, controlling subcontractors and their clashes. It's not, I used it for something totally different. I use it as a day-to-day -day planner. <laughs> I'm just, I'm kidding. You can though. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the old adage. You only use like 10% of any given software. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, exactly. And most of them are that way. So when you're doing that discovery, also always make sure to dip back into the jar of software you already have, you know, and see if you can find something to use there. Yeah. Um, and that said, if you can't, you should probably go to MEP force. <laughs> Hopefully in person in 2021. That's our, <laughs> right. that's our goal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see everybody. Force it was one of my favorites. I actually, I missed, we went to San Antonio two years ago for it. I missed yeah. it so much. I went to San Antonio two weeks ago nice, because of MEP force and showing me that city and just the great times I had. I met all new people. And we essentially established a scooter gang. You remember the electric scooters? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we just had a gang of construction professionals on scooters riding. I around got the to Alamo. see pictures and, and videos of it because <laughs> oh yeah, every P force I'd never leave the building <laughs> right yeah. for a week. And I'm like, oh, the sun is too bright, uh, <laughs> but I, I saw people enjoying them. <laughs> yep. The yeah, party in the park is this. is the only time they let me out of the building. Yep. But no, I remember yeah. it was, it's funny. You're talking about like that dynamic, dynamic and static relationship. Well, we, we got out of, I think we did a tequila, like a margarita mixing competition with Wendy from ESUB yeah. and we got out and everybody's like eyeballing those scooters, but nobody would go up and, and hop on one. Well, I'm the dynamic guy. I hopped on the scooter and just scanned them so everybody could start rolling out on them. And <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sometimes you Way just be need the that push. You know, you need that. <laughs> yeah, you need somebody to just be like, "Let's do it." If somebody gets hit by a car, I'm sorry. There should have been a static champion to hold me back. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But everybody needs that their yin and yang. <laughs> the... Yep. Exactly. Well, awesome. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for for coming on travis it's always fun to talk to you yeah yeah you too i definitely appreciate being on here I, like i said i love everything about the podcast i love what you guys are doing and i love that evolve works really well with revisto um it's going to be a fun next few years <laughs> definitely well, awesome. for sure and now it's time for the todd takes for this episode first thought when implementing new technology or workflows, it is critically important to have a thorough discovery phase. Take some time on the front end to ask who is going to be using and impacted by this change, why are they impacted, and what their capabilities are. Then identify what the success metrics are going to be. Be transparent about where things are in the process. Once you have finished your first project, do a debrief on what worked well and what can still be improved. The main goal is about constant improvement, not perfection. Second thought, know what people's appetite for technology change is. Be aware of three potential kinds of people. You will have dynamic champions who will be inspired creatively for the change. You will have a static champion that will be pleased with the change, but will help to bring a realistic view and keep that dynamic champion grounded. And finally, you will have the naysayers who will seek to point out all the flaws with a negative attitude. 
It's important to know who fits where because you want to partner and empower the dynamic and static champions while seeking to ways to, to win over the naysayers with live examples. A possible solution is reverse mentoring, which I'm a big fan of. This is where you take someone who knows technology well and partner them with someone who has the real world experience. Under reverse mentoring, this pair will take time to trade knowledge with each other, creating a more well-rounded team while also humanizing each other. Last thought, the benefits of having a network of people around you that you can ask advice and seek wisdom from cannot be overstated. The MEP industry does this far better than most. Take the time to build your network out. You can get a jump start by attending shows, even virtually, like MEP Force and MCAA, to name a few. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2020.